What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tiers start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up-to-date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, player on Riftwake, and I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah, so am I, to be honest. Uh, just a little behind the scenes for y'all at home. Uh, we are recording this just after Thanksgiving, and we are both very, very tired. Uh, anyway, I have a headache. Yeah. And today's topic is gem dragons. Mitch, what can you tell me about gem dragons? They're new. Well, they're new in 5th edition, but this is something that has existed in the past. So, as far as most people just are commonly aware, there were two main types of dragons, the chromatic and the metallic, uh, you know, generally headed by the dragon gods, Tiamat and Bahamut. Uh, However, uh, they have recently released has been this treasury of dragons in which they do kind of revive gem dragons and reintroduce some of the older lore around gem dragons as well as introducing a considerable amount more um i'm gonna be honest right up front here i myself am not super familiar with just the history of gem dragons going back it's not something that i've made a whole lot of use of ever and by a whole lot i mean none so honestly uh the data that has been introduced with fisman's treasury of dragons is my introduction 
to gem dragons as well. And the fact that it is new to myself uh, means that it probably is new to a lot of you at home, which is why I did make the choice to make this its own episode instead of talking about it uh, in the last few weeks with some of the other Fizzpins episodes that we've been doing. So, gem dragons, aside from the chromatic and metallic forebearers Bahamut and Tiamat, they are introducing a bit of lore uh, around the pair of them that even before they made the various other types of dragons that exist in a lot of D&D worlds, uh, it is being said that they created one other dragon god. So a ruby dragon god by the name of Sardior, S-A-R-D-I-O-R, and way back in the very first world, you know, before a lot of other D&D multiverse shenanigans happened, that they created this one, you know, ruby dragon god, Sardior, that was like a child of both of them and was kind of the union between the chromatic and metallic dragon. So this was, you know, the middle ground and you know, arguably the kind of peaceful interaction between the two. And then it was Sardior's destruction that kind of helped lead to part of, or a big part of actually the rift between Bahamut and Tiamat for them to become, you know, the enemies that most of us know them as is due to the, the destruction of, you know, their child. So that definitely puts a kind of different spin on the interactions between those two deities. But also the fact that it is this creation of both of them kind of also puts gem dragons in this more kind of interesting space in that, you know, where Bahamut is typically portrayed as, you know, good and Tiamat evil, gem dragons are incredibly powerful in terms of psionics and the mind and more neutrally aligned so there is this kind of middle ground of dragon in between the chromatics and the metallics so there are a lot of new bits of information in fizzbins about just these many many different types of gem dragons that do exist now from wormlings all the way up to a gem great worm which we'll be talking about in just a couple of minutes so uh with that being said there is a lot of new data around them so in addition to dragons there is also some stats for a gem dragon born uh Actually, uh, before I get too far into that, though, uh, let me see if I can find my list here that just lists the types of gem dragons. So there are amethyst, crystal, emerald, moonstone, sapphire, and topaz dragons. And it is kind of neat, too, to consider that, okay, a lot of the time you think about, you know, dragons as these big, powerful monsters. And a lot of the intent 
in the new book is trying to introduce dragons in general as more characters as like less monsters and more for the you know schemer planner ruler types of just different characterizations that can exist but honestly it's the psionic angle that i personally find to be rather interesting because if you do have you know psychic abilities for a dragon do you know one of the quirks about how psionic spellcasting often works in fifth edition no <laughs> so what is kind of neat about it is that it does not require components a lot of the time so just looking at uh, the actual phrasing here uh, the dragon casts one of the following spells requiring no spell components and using intelligence as spellcasting ability. So a lot of the time, one of the limitations that dragon spellcasters can have is the fact that they don't have normal hands to be able to do a somatic component for spellcasting. If you imagine just like a dragon with just a tree-sized staff, it can be a little bit silly. So a dragon with, you know, the powerful mind that a dragon has, having psionics actually makes a lot of sense, mechanically speaking, and the fact that it then lets them cast spells without components to not need to worry about, you know, a somatic or a verbal component to the spellcasting, it's pretty neat to just like, okay, yeah, they can do that because they're goddamn dragons. But uh, besides that, let's just go ahead and uh, pick one type of these dragons and we'll kind of just go through their evolution and just talk about how strong these suckers are. Uh, so Mitch, I'll actually just go ahead and let you have the choice. Uh, just pick one of those types of dragons I mentioned, and that'll be the one, the line that we'll focus on. All right, let me Google a few to see what's the prettiest color. I don't know how to spell some of these. By some <laughs> of these, I mean most of these. Yeah. Amethyst, crystal, Ooh. emerald, moonstone. I'm going to go with amethyst. Topaz. I like purple. It's pretty it color. It is pretty nice. Okay. Amethyst dragon. <laughs> so Google gives like the Wikipedia entry and it says amethyst is a violet variety of quartz. I thought it said violent. <laughs> <laughs> violent variety of quartz. Yeah, I want that one. The violent one. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah, even the description just mentions royal purple. Just that, you know, it just gets basically prettier over time <laughs> royal purple is really more of a blue than a than a violet no it isn't yeah it is i had a royal purple. blue beanie baby elephant it was like a a very pale purple more blue like royal purple is a deep purple wait no i'm thinking royal blue is more of a purple that's what it is yeah that's not what we're saying here got it backwards royal purple is also a motor oil in case you're wondering. All right. Anyway, uh, first things first. Uh, Amethyst dragons uh, have some pretty interesting lair actions. 
Uh, first things first, they have a Beguiling Whisper option, which is a saving throw or get charmed by the damn dragon. Imprisoning Force to cast the damn Force Cage spell, which is terrifyingly powerful. Because Force Cage is one of those like indestructible spells and can't actually do any damage to it it's really really dangerous honestly and that's a really underappreciated spell it's probably one i should talk about more at some point uh anyway they also have a spatial projection where they can actually choose like a separate version of itself to get projected and that either one is able to move or attack. So they're able to basically have an astral projection second copy of itself to choose which is the point of origin for various effects, which is really goddamn complicated, but in a cool way, honestly. But then also... Uh, do you ever actually make use of a dragon's regional effects? Do it. So, most dragons have just an effect on their environment because they're such powerfully magical creatures that there is just an effect on the air around them. So, different types of dragons just actually have just background effects on just the area in which they live for some number of miles, usually, depending on the dragon. But for an amethyst, uh, once per day, the dragon can cast the legend lore spell on anything within one mile of the lair. So it can just get information, magically speaking. So if it is under attack, or if it is, you know, just have hurt people just in the area, it can just get the information magically, which is really not to be underestimated to just be able to ruin a surprise attack like that. Uh, anyway, uh, another just kind of interesting one to consider is crystal profusion. Amethyst crystals and geodes form along muddy shores and lake beds within six miles of the lair. And in addition to that, Fish and other aquatic beasts reproduce rapidly and thrive in bodies of water within six miles of the lake. Foraging in these waters yields twice the usual amount of food. So, honestly, this just brings up a kind of neat thing for dragons in general again, which is just with these regional effects that, okay... If you do just see miles of, you know, crystals starting to grow in places, then that's a pretty good hint that there might be an amethyst dragon in the area. But also, that creates a kind of fun question for dragons of when you do have these kinds of effects, do you start, like, making bargains with a dragon in order to mine or access some of the resources that its presence generates in the area? But wait, there's more. It also has a watery sight. Water within six miles of the lair is a conduit for the dragon's psionic presence. As an action, the dragon can cast a clairvoyant spell requiring no spell components and targeting any body of water in that region. 
And note that that does not say once per day. That does not say once per rest. It can just do that at will. It is able to cast the clairvoyance spell within six miles. That is nuts. But even more than that, the clairvoyance spell normally has a 10 minute casting time. But it specifies here that the dragon is able to cast that as an action. So that amount of, if you'll pardon the pun, clairvoyance for the six miles around their lair, that is a crazy advantage. So it is constantly able to maintain awareness for that six mile area around their lair. And then if they do see something, they have that once a day legend lore to magically gather information on it. So it should be damn near impossible without very good planning to sneak up on an amethyst dragon. So that is quite a fun combination of abilities. So now let's go ahead and talk about uh, some of the actual stat blocks of the dragon. Ooh, sorry, uh, distraction. I just found a real good picture of it in the book. This thing is pretty. I'm going to send this to you. And there you You're go. pretty. I know. Thank you. <laughs> it's the beard. <laughs> there you go. Cool. It's got a real thick tail. <laughs> <sighs> I like it. It's a cute dragon. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, anyway, um, so it starts off as a wormling, as all dragons do. However, uh, one thing that is just... Uh, dragons are just so strong. It has 17 AC and 75 hit points as a wormling. They're just so beefy. Uh, anyway, Amethyst happen to be amphibious, so it can breathe both water and air. And as a wormling, it's just got the bite ability... And it also has a singularity breath. So its breath weapon is gravity magic. So 15 foot cone, strength 
saving throw, and it deals force damage, and if they fail to save, it reduces their speed to zero, and the usual half as much and no speed reduction on a successful save. So, as a quick reminder, force damage is the least resisted damage type in the game. There are very few creatures that have any natural resistance to force damage. It's generally only with magic items that most things can get a resistance to force damage. So that is actually deceptively powerful. But in addition to that, they do also have psionic spellcasting even as a wormling. They can once a day cast Protection from Evil, Tensor's Floating Disc, and Unseen Surf. And then moving up to the Young Dragon, 18 AC, 168 hit points. Then they get their multi-attack for Bite and Claw. The Singularity Breath goes up to a 30-foot cone and 8d8 force damage. And they also have their spells change to Blink, Dispel Magic, Protection from Good and Evil, and Sending. Moving up to Adult, 19 AC, 229 hit points. Ah, Singularity Breath is a 60-foot cone, 10d8 force damage, and they can cast Blink, Control Water, Dispel Magic, Protection from Good and Evil, and send it. Now, also when they get to Adulthood, they do become a legendary creature at that point, gaining their legendary resistance, legendary actions, and uniquely, actually, uh, well, okay, they gain two bonus actions, one unique and one in common for uh, metallic dragons as well. So first things, they can change shape, just like metallic dragons, where they can magically transform into any creature that is medium or small while retaining its game statistics. So it can look like anything for as long as it wants to. And it is a bonus action for a gem dragon to change shape, which is interesting in its own right. But then they also have a unique one, Psychic Step. So as a bonus action, the dragon magically teleports to an unoccupied space it can see within 60 feet. So every single turn, a gem dragon can teleport as a bonus action. So that is one of the rare flaws that most dragons have, except for gem dragons now, is the fact that most of them don't have anything that they can do as a bonus action. So now all those times where adventurers try to, you know, surround the dragon to try to get flanking or some such, the dragon could just teleport out of there, teleport after the squishier party members, and then unleash its breath weapon when it has that charge. That really does make like the strategy of playing a gem dragon deceptively dangerous. And one thing that's also pretty neat is that its legendary actions are also unique. Uh, so it has Claw First, which is not unique, but uh, then it has Psionics for two legendary actions, where it can use its Psychic Step again, or its Spellcasting trait. So it can cast a spell or teleport using two of its three legendary actions in a round. 
So that also means then that this is the fastest type of dragon as well, because on its turn, it's able to move and teleport. And then with its legendary action, it can also teleport again. So that is a lot of mobility for this huge creature. And then it has explosive crystal using all three legendary actions at once. It spits an amethyst that explodes at a point it can see within 60 feet. Each creature in a 20-foot radius sphere has to make a deck save or take 3d8 force damage and be knocked prone. So this dragon is really like deceptively dangerous even compared to normal dragons in a similar CR. Uh, Adult Amethyst is a 16 CR, by the way. But the fact that it can use its legendary action here to deal damage, force damage again, which, again, not easy to resist, knocked prone, which can then mean that it can use its multi-attack with advantage against prone creatures, you know, or just continue using its singularity breath if it's lucky on the recharge. So, yeah, that is a dangerous dragon. And then, of course, we move all the way up to the ancient Amethyst dragon. 20 AC, 444 hit points, 23 CR. So this is, even for an ancient dragon, a powerful, powerful creature. So... The Singularity Breath goes up to a 90-foot cone, dealing 14 d8 force damage, and the potential to reduce speed to zero. Uh, Still has psionics, but a couple of more spells, so now it's able to cast once a day each. Blink, control water, dispel magic, freedom of movement, globe of invulnerability, plane shift, protection from good and evil, and sending. So the fact that it has Plane Shift is also pretty neat, because Plane Shift is a spell that only takes one damn action to cast. So one action, which is, again, terrifyingly, deceptively dangerous, because that gives a dragon the opportunity to escape if things aren't going well very, very easily. Because imagine if a dragon just has a plan ahead of time to just be able to teleport you know, into an adjacent chamber, just using its psychic step, just teleports into the next room or just into just an area away from the party and just tries to get away long enough to just have the action to cast plane shift. Like, it's really hard to pin down even if the fight were going badly for the dragon. And again, this thing having 444 hit points, in theory... Like, if the thing just gets bloodied, it can choose to just leave and fight another day. And I just think it's interesting, just the extra versatility that those psionic spells on this list here do give to the dragon. So that is the, you know, life and, <laughs> life and times of the Amethyst Dragon. However, uh, as I did also mention... There is a gem great worm. So I'm um, not going to go over all the great worm details again. Uh, so I would say just listen to our episode where we talk about great worms from last week. 
But the Gem Great Worm is a CR 26 creature. And also underpowered. Yeah. 21 AC, 507 hit points. Uh, geez. Things fast, too, actually. It's got 60 foot movement speed, burrow speed, and swim speed with a 120 foot fly speed. Nice. All right. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just noticed the Great Worm has a plus 26 to the Arcana spell, or uh, skill, excuse me. Ah, uh, damn, that's impressive. Actually, come to think of it, something else I forgot to mention. Um, Amethyst Dragon's connection uh, to Force. So that is the damage type it has immunity to, which also means that Amethyst Dragons and uh, also an Amethyst Great Worm would be completely immune to the magic missile spell. So even if you do have that you know, situation of trying to make a plan like to deal with a dragon, if you do have like a large number of low-level magic users, you'd be fucked if there was an Amethyst Dragon. Oh man, yeah. That really does make it more dangerous to be immune totally to force damage. <sighs> All right, anyway. Uh, the Great Worm has multi-attack as usual. It has the single-target grapple, which I have already ranted about at length. 300-foot cone breath weapon, which is just amazing. Uh, let's see. 11d12 force damage for the breath now. Uh, ooh, actually, it changes a little bit, though. So it... Not, is not prone on a failed save and then on a success or failure the creature's speed becomes zero until the end of its next turn that is crazy actually so every single time the gem great worm uses its breath weapon every creature in the area their speed becomes zero until the end of its next turn. Success or fail on the saving throw. Holy shit. So with its ability to just continue teleporting around, since it still has psychic step bonus action, so it can move all over the damn place. No one else is able to move because 300-foot cone. That is terrifying to imagine fighting even besides just the sheer ridiculousness of the stats of a creature of this tier uh anyway uh it is still a mythic creature in addition to legendary uh actually i guess i should talk about the legendary actions first because it's a little bit different uh so it has the first two the same still claw or psionics for two actions but the third one is different it is now a psychic beam for all three actions, which is a 10-foot-wide, 90-foot-long line. Every creature has to make an intelligence saving throw, taking 5d10 psychic damage on a failed save and half on a success. So psychic damage also a very rarely resisted damage type. I mean, think about how popular the Bear Totem Barbarian is, just to get that uh, resistant to all damage except psychic while raging. Well... If you've got a gem dragon, they don't care about that. Uh, anyway, uh, it also does have psionic spellcasting, 
uh, Dispel Magic, Force Cage, Plane Shift, Reverse Gravity, and Time Stop. Freaking ninth level spell Time Stop. So the entire theme of the gem Great Worm is I can take actions you can't fuck you. And it's really, really good at that. All right. Anyway, uh, it has the mythic ability Gem Awakening. So when you do eventually reduce this thing down uh, to zero from its 507 hit points, uh, it resets its hit point total to 400, recharges its breath weapon, regains expended legendary re uh, resistance, of which it has four instead of the usual three, and it then gains a new action, mass telekinesis, only usable once per short or long rest. It targets any number of creatures and objects it can see within 120 feet. Uh, no single thing can weigh more than 4,000 pounds, and objects can't be targeted if they weren't carried. Each creature has to make a DC 26 strength saving throw or be restrained in the telekinetic grip. Then at the end of a creature's turn, it can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the Great Worm's turn, it can move each creature or object it has in its grip up to 60 feet, uh, but not beyond that 120-foot range. In addition, it can choose any number of creatures that it has restrained and just deal 7d12 force damage to them. So that is crazy powerful that it can just grab creatures and just each turn just automatic, no saving throw, no attack roll. If they fail those the saving throw just to get caught in the telekinesis, they will just keep taking 7d12 force damage every turn until they save or die. So yeah, gem dragons are a powerful, interesting thematically, and just neat new option that can be introduced into your D&D game. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riftsandrules at gmail.com. That's riftsandrules at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.